Can you can you hear us now? No. 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 Okay, here it comes. La 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 la. Oh, there you are. La la la. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to yet another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. I am Robin O. And joining me today... Joining? 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 Excellent. Joining, joining. And joining me today, as always, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hey there. Uh, Mr. Steve Barkley. Yo. And a special In Guitar Dungeon guest. Woo! Sean Marsley, who is the founder of Blind Beginnings. Hi, thanks uh, for having me. Oh well, hey, thank you so much for for coming by and skipping and work and. This is work. <laughs> promoting my organization. Braving, <laughs> that is true. Braving the stairs into the guitar dungeon. Yeah, those were nice you, and cushy. You, you are the second person in the guitar dungeon. Oh wow, I'm really honored now. Yeah, that's true. Oh, well, you know what the funny thing about it? I was thinking about this. Uh, I think you were you were like the second person ever to come in studio when we were still in uh in burnaby two i guess that's the lucky yeah. number <laughs> <laughs> clearly uh oh i forgot to uh, and i also announced mr cowbell you know oh yes mr cowbell is joining us today too <laughs> <laughs> mr cowbell and and uh, google i think are, are people's two favorite hosts <laughs> should really give them their own spin-off show <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, let's. Uh, so we should we should uh, preface this by saying uh, you have joined us before. Uh, we had you on early on, but for those people who may not be familiar with that particular episode, because that does go way back into the archives, uh, why don't you tell people what Blind Beginnings is and uh, maybe a little bit about how it formed? Okay. So Blind Beginnings is a charity that provides programs and resources to families who have children and youth who are blind or partially sighted across BC. Uh, this is actually our 10th anniversary this year, this February. So we've been around for 10 years, which is amazing. Um, I started the organization because I felt that there just needed to be more for kids and their families. Um, there's kind of a lot of focus on seniors who are blind because that's the majority of the population. But for children who are born or lose their vision in, in early childhood, it's a completely different situation and they need different kind of support. And the parents need a lot of support, too. So everything that we have created is kind of around helping kids to reach their potential um, and showing families that blindness does not mean that that's the end. You know, there's it's just the beginning and they have limitless potential and life can bring them limitless possibilities. Awesome. Yeah, it is, I mean, it is. It is really interesting when you think about um, sort of the needs of of two different uh, communities in terms of you know old versus young. Mm -hmm. um, you know, seniors and stuff who who are going blind. There, it's 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 a very different place, um, both emotionally and mentally, and and sort of o OEM wise. Mm -hmm. um, then, then OEM. Did I say ONM? <laughs> Mobility wise. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. No, we're talking about generic seniors. <laughs> I, I've, Aftermarket I, seniors. Okay. I, I have, listen, I'm having computer issues. I've been dealing with Windows discs for the last week, so it's on my mind. Full disclosure. And you're keeping all this. But yes. yes so seniors generally or people who lose their vision later on in life are experiencing a lot of grief and loss whereas children aren't so that's the benefit to losing it early you don't know what you're missing so you don't feel sad or you don't feel like you're, you're missing out uh, but for for children they don't have a, a concept of many of the things that we've learned visually so seniors don't have to worry about you know what 
what does an intersection look like? Because they saw one before they went blind. So crossing the street and learning to do that without vision is, is easier, right? For a child, what's an intersection? Well, how do you teach that? You can't have them feel it really. Um, so yeah, just concepts that we take for granted, take more explanation and description for kids for kids who are blind. And I would imagine that, you know, uh, activities and, and getting out and, and, and doing things out, outdoors and stuff is a lot more vital to um, a younger demographic than an older as well. Yeah, I think so. And often when kids are blind, PE is the first class they're pulled out of because the curriculum doesn't really, it's not accessible in a lot of ways. You know, basketball, badminton, volleyball, not the best sports when you're blind. Uh, so a lot of blind children have low muscle tone and um, they're not physically active. And that's terrible, really. I mean, it's, it's important for everybody to be active. And there are so many activities that you can do. But if you're in a school setting where, you know, it, that doesn't apply to most of the other kids, then people don't know how to accommodate. So it, does, it, does it shock you that it's been 10 years? Kind of, yeah. Um, I'm trying to, I'm just starting to write an article about sort of where we've come in the last 10 years. And I was looking back at my calendar from 2008. <laughs> <laughs> and I had one calendar from 2008 to 2010. And that document was shorter than my calendar this year, probably from January till now. It's, <laughs> it's, amazing um where I started and where we are now and how we've grown you know when we started I was working out of my home it was just me I didn't get paid for the first two years um and then finally we moved into an office now we've moved into a second office that's bigger you know I've got a, a staff right now of three um that's amazing to me three plus me so four <laughs> our christmas lunches are getting bigger <laughs> our staff lunches it's not just you sitting in the yeah by sitting myself in the office with a sandwich. <laughs> exactly yeah so yeah i'm totally it's awesome I, I can't believe we're still here well i can sort of but when i started the organization i also went back to school to get my master's because i thought well if the nonprofit doesn't work out i'll have this counseling degree to fall back on and mm -hmm. Now I'm sort of like, why did I do that? I'm not really using it. I could be making way more money as a counselor, but I haven't had to fall back on that. So that's awesome. Now, I probably we probably asked you this last time you were here, but um, are there are there other um, nonprofits that are similar to yours anywhere else in the country? I don't think so. Um, I know there is an organization for families in Alberta, and there's one in Ontario. <clears throat> but I don't think they're doing what we're doing. Um, I think it's more the Ontario one, I believe, is more kind of advocacy and connecting parents. I'm not sure what exactly they're doing in Alberta. Um, I think Blind Beginnings is pretty unique. I I haven't I don't have time to research all the other ones. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think there's anyone really doing what we're trying to do. It is kind of shocking. I mean, well, CNIB is a, a giant, right? And they're across the country and they do in some provinces do more for children than than they have been doing in British Columbia. So maybe that's why, because there are some supports there. But really Blind Beginnings is about our no limits philosophy, really showing kids that there is no limit, um, giving them opportunities that no one else may be giving them and connecting families with each other. Okay. So speaking of known limits now that I've been, I've been dying to, to talk to you about this because I, I thought this was so cool what you guys did over the summer. So, uh, how do we preface this? So we have this thing here in Vancouver called the grouse grind. Uh, and Steve, how would you describe the gross grind to somebody who is from outside the area? Uh, it is uh, probably one of the most excruciating walks up a hill that uh, you can experience in the local area. Uh, however, when you get to the top, there's a bar, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> they call yeah. it nature's stairmaster, don't they? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I call it two hours of, oh, Jesus, we have to be close now. <laughs> two hours of, oh, this seemed like a really good idea <laughs> on paper. And it's it's still on my list of things to do, my bucket list, Steve, so maybe yeah. this year. Do you, you get a different bucket. No, got to <laughs> do you it. You need a different bucket. No, got to do it's, it. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's it's got to be probably the closest thing to actually mountain climbing without like actually needing gear it's like it's like this weird 
hybrid of uh, a a walk and mountain climbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know, Sean. Do you know? Do you recall the uh, the distance and the altitude gain on? Uh, um, it's. Oh, hang on, I can look it up. I'm I forget because something like t- three th- two thousand and something stairs. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> so the Grouse Grind is a 2.9 kilometer trail with some 2,830 steps leading up to the peak of Grouse Mountain. Yeah, a lot of steps. And that does not do the thing justice because it's not steps. It's, I mean, you're, you're climbing over logs. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not a clean trail. It's not. Yeah, some of the steps are above your knee. Yeah. In height. And yeah. they're all different. And so you can't really get into a rhythm, especially if you can't see what's coming. You're you're constantly having to adapt and oh, okay, now that that's the okay, that's <laughs> we're going smaller, we're going bigger, we're going medium size. Oh, now there's no stairs. <laughs> so Yeah, and you gain you gain twenty uh, twenty eight hundred feet in that uh, two point nine kilometers. So Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. a, that's a pretty good uh, gain. It is. So I mean, it's it's you know locally, it's it's one of the most intense hikes that you can do. Um, and you know, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of uh, you know, people who are who are way into fitness will will do it in the spring and the summer when it opens. Um, and what you guys decided to do was to take a group of uh, blind and visually impaired youths uh, up this thing. Yes. Tell us, and, and that seemed like a good idea to you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was actually approached by the rec- recreation therapist at Sunny Hill, Christina Duncan. She works with kids who are visually impaired, and she said, "What do you think about taking some kids up the gross grind?" And I loved the idea, so I did the grind in maybe two thousand and one. And it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. I did it with two friends and they switched off guiding. So one would be guiding me and one would be behind. And they were both giving me information. It was brutal. Um, But when I finished it, I was so proud of myself for doing it. And I also knew it was something I wanted to do again someday. But I wanted to be fit. So (laughs) that didn't happen, by the way. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I talked to the youth. Um, it's funny. I talked to the board of blind beginnings. I talked to the fundraising committee. I talked to a few groups and, and people had a lot of concerns. Are you sure the kids are going to want to do this? How are you going to be able to, you know, explain to them what the grind is? Like, are they, how, how, how are you going to do this? Um, but I like a challenge. So we had 10 youth who were keen to do it and we had monthly training hikes. So, and they got increasingly harder throughout the spring and summer so we started with burnaby lake and it's just a 10 kilometer walk around the lake it's lovely it's flat Mm -hmm. it's easy some of the kids struggled with that they'd never gone 10k in one go um and questioned are were they going to be able to do the grind and that was my thing well this is endurance if you can't do a two-hour walk you're not going to be able to do the gross grind So then after that, we did the Coquitlam Crunch, which is like 500 plus stairs. So a mini, they call it the mini grind. It's nothing like the grind. All the stairs are the same. (laughs) I don't think I've ever been on that one. Yeah, it's, I live right across the street. So when I had a baby, I would have him strapped to the front of me and do the grind with my white cane. People were like walking past me like, wow. (laughs) That was the only fitness I could do really at that point. So Anyways, I, we did that and I wanted them to try stairs. Like, how, how is this for you guys? Because if this is hard, the grind is going to be really, really tough. And I really wanted them to like sort of get scared so that they would train. They were supposed to be training in between these monthly hikes. Then we did Quarry Rock. Um, and then they did the BCMC trail, which goes up beside the gross grind, which actually might even be harder than the grind, but we didn't know that because I (laughs) had never done it. Uh, it was supposed to be more switchbacks and longer, but not so many stairs, but it was really technical. And a lot of them, a lot of them struggled with that, but that made the grind (laughs) not so bad a month (laughs) later. So in the end, nine youth. Um, completed the grind and they were all paired up with a sighted guide and the sighted guides were volunteers that were with them through the whole five, five hikes for the most part. So they got to kind of learn how to communicate together because I know for me that your guide has to be fit enough to be able to talk to you and describe what's coming 
as you're going up this really difficult physical challenge, right? So my husband actually guided me, um, but unfortunately I broke my foot after the first hike. So in May, I did Burnaby Lake. I was at the front of the pack pretty much the whole time because I'm really competitive and I don't care if they're kids. I still want it to be. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to beat their bums yeah, no matter what. Exactly. Um, and I wanted to be fit to do the grind. So I was like, this is, you know, kind of a motivation for me to train. I want it to be easier this time. But then a few weeks later, I broke my foot and I was out for the next three months. And so I didn't get to do any of the other training hikes oh, no. until the grind. So, um, but I, and two weeks before we were doing the gross grind, I got the okay that I was, I could return to normal activity and I actually said to the doctor, did that include the gross grind? And he <laughs> said, yeah, that's fine. So I was so unfit. And my husband dragged me up that grind. <laughs> He's not very fit either. So. <laughs> but we did it and it was amazing. It was hard. It was really, really hard. Um, but it was awesome for the kids to have that achievement under their belts. And, and I mean, if you can do the gross grind, what can't you do? Right. That's, that's kind of the point. And I think we got a lot of media attention, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. And people often underestimate our abilities. And I think for the general public to see a group of blind people doing the gross grind, um, maybe makes them question their doubt that we can cross a street because <laughs> that's pretty easy compared to doing the grind well and for those people who want to see it the video is up on youtube yeah it has been documented so oh. it's pretty inspirational yeah accessible media filmed the whole kind of process they came out to all of our hikes they entered they sort of featured a few of the kids through the whole process and made a 45 minute documentary called do the grind blind um, and yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's worth checking out for mm -hmm. sure. Well, we'll, we'll make sure we link to it in the, in the show notes. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it must've been a really incredibly rewarding experience for, for those nine kids too, because you know, it, and it really, no, bragging like, rights, right? Spread, not only that, just, I mean, it, it feels so good when you've been training for months and months with something and for something and then, and then finally doing it. Yeah, for some of the kids, one in particular um, didn't really do PE, never really was physically active. And she was one of the youth that really struggled with Burnaby Lake and still says she's never doing Burnaby Lake again. That was the hardest one. And I'm like, no, no, now that you're fit, you really need to go back and try that because it's not that hard. It'll be a cakewalk. Yeah, but it, yeah, it was so great for her. And she... I, I had some concerns about her, just knowing where she had come from and, you know, her lack of physical activity. I was worried, like, was she going to be able to do it? And and she actually, well, she beat me up the grind. Um, she wasn't at the back of the pack. She did amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Were, were you surprised at all at, at the, the kind of the reception that it got and sort of the groundswell of, of, uh, of interest that it created? Yeah, so funny. So we sent out a media release like the week before, and I actually, in my naive way of thinking, thought the phone was just going to ring like the second after we sent the email to all these media. <laughs> and I was, and all day I'm like, really? Nobody's calling? Um, so, and no one called and no one called and no one called until the day before. And then we found out that CBC TV was coming. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's better than nothing. And then when I showed up that <laughs> oh, yeah, it's morning, a, it's only the national <laughs> broadcast, <laughs> but, but we sent that email to like 150 media sources. So I'm like, really one, but anyway, um, Everybody was there. Uh, three television stations, <clears throat> the the paper. Like it, it was. I felt like a celebrity. It was so cool. Like I was smiling for the first half hour of the grind. <laughs> 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 I was kind of on a high in the beginning. It was like an adrenaline rush, and then the reality of what I was doing hit me, and I'm like, this is not fun. <laughs> so, so how far did these camera crews follow you? Because I I can't imagine. Packing, no. a, packing a video Heck camera no. up the grind. Well, none of them. They didn't do the grind, but Accessible Media had a cameraman who did every hike, and he was running back and forth, back and forth to catch people in the front, <laughs> people in the back of the group. Like, he's amazingly fit. He probably did the grind three times while we all did it once. <laughs> yeah, so he got some cool footage, and then I think some of the TV stations used some of that footage. Hmm. And did they meet you at the top at all? or? Um, so AMI was at the top. I can't remember 
I don't know if any of the other, maybe one other, yeah, I think one other station, but they took the gondola up. (laughs) And we had, um, we were going live on Facebook as each person was finishing. And so all the the kids were and their guides were waiting at the top for everyone else to come in and cheered everybody on as they were finishing. It was like, it kind of felt like you were in a race and, you know, they're cheering you. And some of the kids actually ran the last few steps That's to cross cool. the finish line. I had nothing in me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the time I did it, I think I crawled fast. Yeah. Because that's when I want this to be done. Exactly. <laughs> Steve would just have to tell me, there's tequila at the top, Ryan. There's tequila yeah. at the top. <laughs> would you Would you ever do it again? Well, I still haven't done it fit. So <laughs> personally, I'd like to do it again. But um I don't plan on doing it as a blind beginnings thing every year. It kind of loses like sure. the point. So I'm looking at doing a new challenge each year. And this year we, the, some of the youth actually um, had the idea that they wanted to start a tandem cycling program. Mm-hmm. And they went to this MEC youth summit and presented their idea. And um, it was a bit of a competition and a whole bunch of organizations were presenting ideas of how to get more youth outdoors. And our idea of the tandem cycling program actually won. um, And we received $5,000 to start that program. So the plan is to start a program this spring. And every Saturday, we're going to do a tandem ride and open it up to families with younger kids. Maybe, you know, you've got your kid on the back of your regular bike or a trailer bike or whatever, but do sort of outings into the community on on the bike. And then at the end of 12 weeks of training, we're going to do some kind of epic ride where we're going to invite the community to join us. Um, make it a fundraiser and kind of, you know, it'll be sort of do the grind blind part two. But some I haven't come up with the clever name yet. But um, anyways, we're thinking about that's what we want to do this year. Steve's mind's going on right like, now. Yeah, we, right. we might uh, ride, you know, ride for the blind or, but I'm thinking like maybe Vancouver to Harrison or something like that. So like a mini ride to conquer cancer idea, but for mm-hmm. blind beginnings. So I, we're just in the beginning stages and actually we would really, we could really benefit from some volunteers to help us plan this because it's, it's a brand new thing. Um, and there's probably a lot of permits we need and lots of things to do, but we're kind of looking at having 10 youth commit to, to do this and then maybe look at corporate sponsorship for each youth or each bike and, you know, have people join in and have teams and be a part of it. And yeah, I think it'll be cool. Tell us a little bit about other than sort of the special events. Tell us sort of about the sort of the, the ongoing programs that you provide to the youth. Okay. Um, so it starts now. We're actually partnering with CNIB on a contract to provide service to kids birth to five. And one of the components that Blind Beginnings is contributing is our support parent network. So basically a family who has a blind child, um, you know, they're new to the game and they're pretty overwhelmed and, and often devastated. Connecting them with a parent who's raised a blind child, who's further along on that journey and has kind of got a handle on things to be a peer support to them. So we're this year going to be training a bunch of support parents who've been with us for a while who, and um, to support these new families. Um, then we're doing community discovery outings every month in the Lower Mainland. We also have a program in Kamloops and we'd like to be more provincial. So... Um, and basically that's going, doing some kind of activity that maybe they haven't done before. So in January we did cross country skiing, um, February we're doing snowshoeing, um, we're planning a gardening thing, uh, we're going to have the kids make a Mother's Day lunch for their moms in May. Um, nice. so just different, different activities. Uh, I think we're going to go to the, the aquarium and have like a hands-on get to feel yucky, goopy <laughs> animals from the sea. <laughs> Not my favorite thing. Uh, so that's our family community discovery out. It's like a family field trip, but with extra hands-on stuff and behind the scenes kind of things. Um, <clears throat> And then our youth leadership program, that's probably our most successful program. So every year we have 12 youth come from all over BC for a three-day weekend. They stay in a hotel, we take the SkyTrain, and, you know, they get exposed to public transit, um, and they learn leadership skills. And then following the weekend, 
they have to commit, they're supposed to do 45 volunteer hours um, and be, take part in some of our committees. And those these have grown. So we have a technology committee and that's some of our youth are facilitating the getting together with technology program that CCB started. Right. Um, so they're sort of providing peer tutoring to blind adults on technology and teaching adults about technology, which is awesome. Um, We've got a newsletter committee, so they write our our little newsletter that we send out to our families. Um, We're starting a craft committee, so this Saturday, actually, a bunch of youth are coming in and they're going to learn to knit. (laughs) (laughs) We've been making these um, tactile cards from Braille that we've been selling, so we're looking at expanding our craft uh, portfolio so we can sell more things. The, the youth were at a few Christmas markets this December selling their stuff. Uh, it's good experience, kind of that mini entrepreneurial, you know, business side of things. Um, so basically we look at like what kind of committee can we create where they can learn some transferable employment skills because youth often don't have a lot of work experience and, you know, they do well academically, but they need things to put on their resume. So we're trying to provide those opportunities and, you know, raise that employment rate for people who are blind. Very nice. Oh, yeah. And we have summer camps, too. And counseling <laughs> and support groups. It, it goes <laughs> on and on. Do. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where do you do your summer camps now? So we inherited Camp Hornby, which um, was started not by us, uh, and that one's on Hornby Island every summer. It's amazing. And then the other camp is a family camp, and it moves around the province each year. So last year we were in uh, Kelowna in the fires. That was fun. Oh, uh, <laughs> little smoky. Um, and this year we're planning to go to Vancouver Island, but we've kind of been, we've been on the Sunshine Coast, Maple Ridge, um, Squamish. We've kind of moved around and the idea is to be accessible to different families across the province. I mean, people can come from all over, but if you don't have to drive so far, that's better. So we're going to the island this summer. Nice. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, the gala that's coming up, uh, I believe, in April. It, it's, uh, is, it, is it celebrating your, the 10th anniversary? Yeah, it is. So it's April 7th, and um, we, that's kind of the theme, the 10th anniversary theme. We had our planning committee meeting last night, and we were talking about, you know, are we going with a birthday theme? Or are we going with an anniversary? And anyways, but yes, we're definitely going to be celebrating our 10 years um, we've also invented a an award that we want to honor a business that's gone above and beyond to include a child or youth who's blind in their program. So we've kind of put it out to our families to nominate a business that's really accepted their child, not because they have to be accessible, not really about accessibility, more about inclusion, um, but just going above and beyond to make it work for a child to participate. So we're calling that the Seeing All People Award, and we will be giving out the first of those at the gala. Um, And it'll have all of our usual fun, you know, silent auction, live auction. We're right now collecting donations for the auctions um, tickets are on sale and it's always a fun event. It's very, um, I think we could probably make more money if we, if we went with the whole poor blind child, please give us money <laughs> approach. The, the Sally, um, the Sally <laughs> Struthers appeal. <laughs> yeah, but we, that just doesn't work for me. It doesn't go along with, with what I'm trying to do. Um, so it's a really empowering, positive evening. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've heard from many people who've come. It's not like your typical gala you actually get to, we showcase some of the kids. So some of them have amazing musical talents and will perform. Um, we'll probably be have a couple of them talk about what Blind Beginnings has done for them over the last 10 years. Some of these kids have been with us the whole 10 years. So it's been cool to sort of see that growth and watch them flourish. So yeah, it's a great event. Is it going to be the same place? It is, yeah. Because you filled that place last time. I know. And we really, we contemplated moving to another location. We were looking at the Italian Cultural Center in Vancouver, mm-hmm. but then we kind of got chicken. <laughs> we got we got scared that we weren't going to have, what if people didn't follow us if we moved? So we're going to stay where we are for one more year and probably look at moving next year. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um it, it is it was a bit crowded so we're gonna cut it off at 250 even though the room can accommodate 300 and we're kind of looking at a few ways to make it feel less crowded for people 
Um, but yeah, we do, we do sell out now, which is so great. I love that. And it's so fun. I love this time of year because I just get email notifications every time somebody buys a ticket. I'm like, Oh, they're coming. Yay. That person's <laughs> coming. Oh, more tickets. Yay. Someone bought a table. So yeah, it's really fun. Got my two tickets already. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. No problem. <laughs> I still haven't signed up. I got to do that. You better do that. I also, I was uh, on the road with a, a certain, uh, Dr. Linda and, mm-hmm. uh, I, I caught heck for, uh, not arranging the, uh, yeah. the non-gala this year. Right. Well, you had a few things going on. (laughs) (laughs) What's the non-gala? Yeah. The the, the non-gala is uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Linda and I were talking and we, uh, we basically said, you know, we, we've been to the gala and, you know, we'd like other people to be able to go to the gala. So, uh, one year we, we donated our tickets, uh, back to Blind Beginnings to give to people who might not otherwise be able to attend. Right. And then we threw, after the gala, we threw the non-gala. We had Sean come over and <laughs> get drunk on wine. <laughs> <laughs> have, have virtually no responsibilities whatsoever. Uh, yeah, that was probably more, definitely more relaxing for uh-huh. me. <laughs> I love the gala. It feels like a party where I know almost everyone. It really is, you know, so much of my family and friends and, and people I know come. So... It's pretty awesome just being at the door as people come in and being like, it's like seeing everyone you know every year, once a year. It's cool. (laughs) But it's a lot of work, too. I don't really get to relax and enjoy the night. All right, let's see. Let's get deep. Oh. Let's get deep. Uh, So tell tell us, what is the most vital component or what's, what's the most vital part of what you are doing with Blind Beginnings to you personally? To, to me. Um, what do you oh. see as the most important thing that that you instill in either in either the the kids or even the message that that you want Blind Beginnings to to put out there into the world? Um, that because you're just because you're blind doesn't mean you're less than. I think um, my story. I didn't know I was visually impaired until I was twelve, even though I was all my life, and. Um, because my parents didn't tell me, they, they, they didn't want me to give up on life, but they obviously viewed it as a pretty terrible thing. And so then I spent like a good chunk of my life not feeling okay. Like there was this thing about me that was broken or wrong that I tried to hide for a really long time. And as my vision got worse and worse, it was really hard to hide. (laughs) And I, I just, I wish that I, I think if I had had the confidence that I do now, way back then, early on, my life would have been so different. Mm. I would I would have embraced more. I would have tried more. I would have been more involved. You know, I kind of went through high school and university just blending into the background. That was the goal. Didn't want to be noticed. Well, that's not me. That's not my personality at all. I love <laughs> being noticed. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really want these kids to to not feel that there's anything wrong with them just because you're blind. And really that's the other thing about being born blind. You don't know any different. And until people start to tell you that there's something wrong with you um, or something not right about you, um, you don't know that. And so you're, you're taking on all of the world's perceptions of blindness and you start to believe it yourself. And I don't want them to believe it. I just want these kids to think that they're just fine the way they are. And in fact, in a lot of ways, we're a little more interesting than those who can see because we do things differently. And that's cool. It's not bad. And, you know, I always say, like, being not being able to see is not the hard part about being blind. It's no big deal because I've found another way to do almost everything okay, legally I can't drive, but I can still get where I need to go because I have the skills to do that. So who cares? Um, What's hard is people thinking that I'm helpless, thinking that I need, that I can't do things. So I guess it's twofold. I want families to see that life is not over for their kids. I want the kids to see that they're fine just the way they are. And I want society to realize too, like we belong here and we have something to contribute Maybe we have a unique perspective, but let's find out about that. Let's be curious about that rather than just sort of dismiss us. 
How's that for deep? That was, that was good. That was good. Well, thanks for joining us, Sean. <laughs> yeah, where do we go from that? <laughs> I, got, I got goosebumps and a tear in my eye. Yeah, <laughs> You'd think I planned that, but I didn't. <laughs> All right, so let's get off that topic. Yeah, geez. that was too deep. Go no, that was great. <laughs> so uh, tell us about the development of the uh, taser suit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, these, um, these engineering students came to see us the other day, and they wanted to to create some sort of technological invention that would help blind people. And uh, <clears throat> so we were talking about, you know, what is it that really frustrates you? And really, we all agreed instantly, the thing that really frustrates us is people grabbing us without using any <laughs> words. And it, you think, what are you talking about? But it happens, like, honestly, it happens to me multiple times a day. Wow. On public transit, somewhere along my journey, people grab me. And they're, they're trying to be helpful. They're trying to drag me onto the train or pull me across the street or push me, whatever. But it's Or grab me because I'm approaching the stairs and they don't want me to fall down them. Well, hello, that's what the cane's for. It's to feel that the stairs are there. So it drives me crazy. I think there's no other population that you would touch without permission. Um, that's not the kind of touching I want anyways. <laughs> so we were talking about what kind of invention, maybe something that they get an electric shock when they touch <laughs> us or an alarm sounds or I don't know, uh, a force field that we have around us so they can't actually pass through the bubble. <laughs> that's not the kind of stuff the engineering students were looking for. I no, that's I no, <laughs> like, I think we need a public service announcement more than a, a technology solution here, mm -hmm. but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I still want to. Uh, I still want to film that. Uh, things not to do to blind people. <laughs> there, there was a skit that some kids did back on Bowen. I think it was on Bowen years and years ago, and uh, I'd, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to put that out as a little viral video kind of thing. I think that'd be fun. It is true, though. I mean, you know, just public mi misconceptions about. Um, you know, any sort of disability, it's, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. It is a real problem. Yeah. I, I mean, my th I think it's fine. People want to help. That's nice. I get it. It's coming from a good place. But ugh, why wouldn't you just use your words? Why wouldn't you just mm -hmm. say, do you need some help? Can I help you? I have no problem with that, even though most of the time I don't need the help. But some people do, and I'm okay with that. But just to grab without saying anything, it's especially when you can't see you don't know. Right. Are they, is it someone being helpful? Probably, but maybe this time it isn't. And now I'm so used to being grabbed, I just accept it. <laughs> <laughs> My husband says I should wear a webcam or a head cam. What mm -hmm. are they called? Those Pro, uh, a GoPro. A GoPro and just for a day that's and just a, film all the crazy things that happened to me. Actually, that's, a, that's yeah. a brilliant idea. Actually, yeah. that is yeah. not a bad idea at all. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us about some of the adaptive sports you've done? Recently, you guys tried blind tennis. Oh, yeah. Really? Uh, well, yeah. We, we Actually, we did blind tennis for Blind Beginnings last June or May or June, right when I had the broken foot. And so I didn't actually get to try it at that point. But recently, um, there's a program going on in Coquitlam for six weeks where you can come out and try it. And I tried for the first time on Monday, and it was really cool. So the ball kind of rattles not kind of, it does, it rattles. Um, and it's really soft. So if it hits you, it doesn't hurt, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> and the idea is the less amount of vision you have, the more times the ball can bounce before you have to hit it back. So the I don't actually know how to play tennis normally because right. I've never been able to. So I don't, I don't think you hit I don't think the ball bounces before you hit it back with regular tennis, but it can bounce. I think once. It can, yeah, it, it can, can bounce once. Oh, okay, yeah. so this mine was allowed to bounce three times before I had to hit it back. So you've got a chance to track it because you can't really hear it once it's flying through the mm -hmm. air, right? But once it hits the ground, and we were playing with ten other people playing at the same time in the gym, so wow. there's a lot of rattling balls, and <laughs> sometimes I was chasing after someone else's, but <laughs> but it was really fun. Um, I haven't. I used to be a a Paralympic athlete and, and training and sport was such a huge part of my life for so long. But since having a child, my son's four now, I haven't really done anything. So it was really cool to just get a sweat on and be with other people and play a sport and try something new. So I really enjoyed it. Hopefully it's going to be an ongoing program here. Cool. Who, yeah. who put on that program? 
Well, Blind Sports is um, kind of involved, but it's actually a woman, a Japanese woman, who has brought tennis here and is really passionate about the sport. I don't really know what her connection to blindness is, but she's been trying to get this happening for like a year. And she just wants people here to be exposed to it. So her name's Kiyo, and uh, she's great. She's She organized a whole bunch of high school students to be sighted volunteers. So she paired up a, a blind person with a sighted student. So Because if you're playing with another blind person, when the ball rolls away, you're both kind of like, uh-oh, game over. <laughs> so <laughs> having a sighted person, I, I actually had to bring my son. And uh, so he was playing with me too. We were trying to do doubles. That was hilarious. Because of course he didn't understand, no, that ball's mine. He just went after everything. And then I'm trying not to hit him with the racket. <laughs> but he liked it too. So <laughs> You need a GoPro. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So what's something that's, that's say, on, like, your dream? Like, if, if money was no object, mm. money and planning was no <laughs> object, what activity would you love to go on next? Oh, okay, well... I think a community discovery to Disneyland <laughs> with all the Blind Beginnings families would be cool. If they like closed the park for us so there were no lineups and we could, you know, do the mm -hmm. ride multiple mm -hmm. times so the kids could really get, you know, the whole experience, that would be really cool. Um, my dream actually for Blind Beginnings is to have a house, to, to run out of a house with like a big cozy living room for support group meetings and... Um, a library with braille books for kids and toys and a big kitchen to teach life skills and, you know, where they can learn how to clean and do laundry and all those kinds of things with a suite so that youth that are transitioning to moving mm -hmm. out could move in for maybe three months and live independently but sort of be supported because somebody would be upstairs. Um, offices for counseling. Like that's, I just feel like we're all about I feel like Blind Beginnings is a family and it would just be the perfect thing if we were sort of operating out of a family home kind of situation. So that's that's my dream. Um, it feels like a lofty goal, but I believe that someday we'll have it. There are other char charities that operate out of houses, so it's not unheard of. <laughs> well, and it is such so important. I mean, I know that CNIB, you know, they they can help out and, and sort of teach those transitional skills. Mm -hmm. But really, there is nothing like that anywhere. No. Um, yeah, and there's, I mean, a lot of the, those services that are available to adults aren't really available to kids. Like, I didn't learn to cook until I was 18, until I moved into residence and oh my God, I got I to gotta feed myself here. Can't live on bagels for the rest of my life. <laughs> I did for a while, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, going to the CNIB for our, um, to meet with a rehab teacher, I think they're not called that anymore, but to, te to learn to cook like once every two weeks or something is not, you need more than that. Yeah. And right now we try, we're, we're talking about starting a, a cooking committee or a, a dinner club committee, we're calling it. So each month, you know, one kid does the online grocery order, one cooks the meal, one does the cleanup, and one sets the table and the mood, kind of. So the, And then they rotate through, so they all get a chance to do each of those jobs and learn how to host a bit of a dinner party because it's something I personally don't have the confidence to do. I luckily married a husband who likes to cook and entertain <laughs> and I just get to be the social person that talks to the guests while he does most of the work. But I feel bad about that. But I just, I you know, I can survive on my own. But I and it's not a blind thing. It's an experience. I just never had that experience. So uh, these kids need more of that. Um, and often parents don't ha know how to teach ha a blind person to chop vegetables or cook on the stove or use your other senses. And so they, they just don't. And kids aren't getting enough of that. So, yeah, we want to do more of that for sure. But we don't, we're not really in the right environment to be able to do that in an office. <laughs> You're right. We got other people there that are going to object, probably. <laughs> <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as you start pulling out the hot plate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it must be really amazing, you know, you, you've been you've been around now for 10 years and you, you have kids that have been in the program for that long. I mean, it must be really amazing to sort of think about how they came into the program and what they were like and then seeing them now. Like, do you really notice a huge difference in their attitudes and their and, and how they even just approach life? 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. Like one, one child, I had the privilege to meet the father when the baby was only two weeks old. And um, I think the parents sometimes joke, some of the parents joke about how they wish when they found out their child was blind that somehow I just came down from the sky. It was like, <laughs> boom, hi, I'm Sean, I'm a blind adult, and I survived. <laughs> and your child can be like me too. You know, that, that sort of, if you, if you have that example early on, it changes your whole perception of the future, right? So for kids, I can think of one youth, I didn't meet them until they were 14, and this particular youth was really delayed in a lot of ways because the family didn't have the support and didn't know how to, uh, now my phone's going off, sorry, it's oh, vibrating, okay. but okay. <laughs> <laughs> her family didn't know how to, how to support her really, and didn't have that same support. And so she's really flourished just in three or four years with us. Um, it's a dramatic shift that I've seen in four years. Um, and then I've got kind of got everything in between. Some of the kids were already teenagers when I started Blind Beginnings, and I had known them through my job at CNIB, through the youth group, and and they're doing pretty good. You know, some of those guys are starting to get jobs now and move out and live independently and have girlfriends, and it's cool. It's cool to see them just being normal 20-somethings living life. I also want to be more provincial. Like we we had a program on Vancouver Island for a while, but that was literally me going there every month to do this program. And then I got pregnant and couldn't do it anymore. And the program kind of fizzled out. And then we tried something in Chilliwack and it didn't really work. Um, so and we are. Yeah, that's that's the challenge. I kind of need my kid to hurry up and grow up so I have more time to <laughs> to travel the province and really connect families. But I think this early intervention contract we're doing, I'm going to meet this whole new generation of Blind Beginnings families. Um, we just inherited basically 130 new families oh, wow. um, by partnering with CNIB and they're all birth to five. So they're the future families and uh -huh. kids. And so I think we're about to grow you know, within the next five years, we're going to be, I can't even imagine, quite a lot bigger than we are now. And we're going to need more staff for sure. And I can't clone myself. I've tried. <laughs> 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 so, and maybe I'll be able to hire some of my youth and they can step into my shoes and, and do what I'm doing, hopefully. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I have to say that it, it, this, it's such an incredibly important program because you you've got exactly the the right method in, in, which is to to get them when they're young and change change the attitude mm -hmm. as opposed to say and, and you know not to sort of downplay the services that that other organizations provide but those are almost band-aids those are almost like you know we're gonna sort of get you to a to a level where you can you can function mm -hmm. give you the certain skills but not so much changing the attitudes when in those formative years. Exactly. I don't want these kids to just be able to support them, you know, to live in. I don't like I feel like the expectations for blind kids or blind people are quite low. The bar right. is low. I don't want it to be low. Why is it low? It doesn't need to be low. Let's raise it. Let's have the same expectations that we do of sighted kids. And, and that's really like, ugh. I remember as a teenager having conversations with my parents about what I was going to do when I grew up. And it was, well, maybe you could be a court reporter because you can type really fast or you could teach piano because you play the piano. I didn't want to do that. And they never said, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? Because it was really, and I felt the same way at that time. Well, you're going to be blind. You're really going to be blind by the time you're a grown up. So we're going to have to think of something you can do without vision. But there's endless possibilities. There's vision is, I mean, we used to, when I used to work at CNIB, I started in the career department and I would meet with fam, um, with people who had recently lost their vision. And they always asked me, well, what kind of jobs do blind people do? I was <laughs> like, yeah. well, and I, we, we used to say you can do pretty much anything except maybe be a doctor or a pilot. Um, turns out there's a doctor in the States who's blind. And how many times did people tell him you're, you can't do that because you're blind? And obviously he figured out a way. Right. So I, I admire that so much, like to go against 
a whole, even I didn't think you could be a doctor if you were blind. And I was pretty, you know, like optimistic about <laughs> potential and stuff. Um, but I, I didn't have that. If somebody told me, well, no, you would never be able to do that job, I'd probably would have accepted that. So now I just think, well, how do you know I can't do that? And if somebody tells me I can't do something, I'm damn well determined to do it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I rambled off there but um. no 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 it's fine. <laughs> well and it's it's interesting because I, I feel like technology every day um is also helping with that i mean there's less and less things that that mm -hmm. are barriers because the there's technology there that can help yeah absolutely um it's amazing how much easier it's getting with technology and things that have been a bit of a struggle are now becoming not a struggle at all so it's only going to get better yeah, talking talking about the the attitudes and the low bar. Um, just last year, I had a vision teacher uh, pull me aside. I was I was showing a piece of equipment to uh, one of her students, and she pulled me aside and she said, "You have to tell him that he can't be a teacher." Oh. <laughs> oh. I, I, I said, "What?" She, she said, "Yeah, he wants to be a teacher. You've got to tell him it's not practical." Wow. And it's like. Well, That's horrible. Yeah, I'm not going to tell him that. And this is a professional. This is a this is a professional who, working in yeah. the school system with blind kids and visually blind. impaired kids. That is a tragedy. Setting a limitation like that, and yeah, it is a tragedy. Yeah, really I is. that, and I have to say that a lot of vision teachers are amazing and wonderful and awesome. Oh, absolutely, sure. <laughs> yes. But that is a horrible story, and it that's the kind of stuff. I mean, you hear that from your your vision teacher, you're going to believe it. Sure. Right? Like, yeah. Well, it can even be more insidious and subtle than that. Like, just even just, you know, society's perspective. Even somebody just grabbing you and assuming that, you know what, this person needs help mm -hmm. getting down some stairs. Yep. Uh, that that has an impact on, on an individual. It does. That is the hardest thing. That's why it ruins my day. Because I hear when that happens, you're not capable. You're not able. You need help. I see you as something that needs help. And I, that's not who I want to be, and that's not who I am. And it's really hard to shake that off and, and laugh it off and just be like, no, I know I'm, I'm good. I know I'm capable. I know I'm independent. I know I don't need this help because they truly believe that. And when that happens to you over and over, it can wear you down for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's just a bunch of schmucks who watch too many Mr. Magoo cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> the other day I was approaching, the escalator was was closed off. I hate Lowheed Station. It's the worst, and I have to go there every day, but I find it the worst. But I was walking towards the stairs, and this guy's like, oh, are you looking for the elevator? And I wanted a sign. Like, I never want the elevator. <laughs> the elevator is the worst because you got to find the button, and then mm. you've got to find the button to, for the floor that you want, and, you, and then when you, the door opens, you don't know where the hell you are. Like... It's, I never choose the elevator, but that is this thing that, oh, you can't possibly do the stairs or the escalator if you can't see. Why can't I? There's nothing wrong with my feet. They're not connected to my eyes. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I could, whoa, that's, that's, I'm getting on the rant now. No, trust us. Oh, oh you, you're, well, I'm, you're fitting in perfectly. We go on rants all the time. Just ask us about Apple products. <laughs> oh, no, really? Shoot. <laughs> well, you know, I was going to ask you, why do you think there aren't more, you know, public service announcements, advertisements? promoting the fact that you know we just want equality we want the same uh, abilities as our sighted peers why is nobody talking about it because we're maybe because we're a small population to begin with i don't know um and also because of the divide so if you are an older person who's lost your vision maybe you do want the elevator i you know it's different for me i grew up not being able to see so i learned how to navigate the world without vision and i'm very comfortable doing that um so if you if you're really looking at young people kids working age adults it's we're a very small group of people but i sometimes i think nobody cares about blindness mm -hmm. which makes me depressed um <laughs> unless it relates to you why would you care, really, right? Why Why do you want to see a public service announcement? Why do you even want to learn about it? People are a little bit curious, I think. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I, and I also think it's one of those things that is really feared yeah. by people with sight. I would so. agree with that. I, I think that's a lot of it is that it's, well, do you just, think it's maybe uncomfortable for people who are sighted. To even think about losing vision, right? That, that's right. Well, yeah. I guess it's it's one of those disabilities, you know, where the deaf have had closed captioning for umpteen billion years, 
And just in the last few years, we've started as blind people getting more and more audio described programming. Yes. You know, why is it taking so long? Is, is it because blindness is such a fear in people's minds? Um, you know? I don't think we've done the best job at banding together to advocate as yeah. the deaf community did. Right. Um, they do not view deafness as a disability. It's a culture. It's their culture and and so they're darn well going to get what they need right. to. And within the blind community, there is a divide sometimes. I mean, there is in the deaf community too, but I don't know. I, I, I think we haven't had the skills or the confidence to come together and really fight for what it is that we want. Maybe we feel like we don't have a voice. And I don't know. I, I, I'm determined to change that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a voice. I, I, I think a good chunk of the problem is that there's so much infighting between different that organizations. Too. Totally. Right. You, if you put, uh, you know, a, a committee of four blind people in a room together, by the end of uh, the year, you're going to have four different blindness organizations. Right. Yeah. Yes. I know. Sorry for starting another one, but I. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mine's all about the kids, so That's I'm, right. I'm That's, unique in you, that way. You get a pass for yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, and yours isn't necessarily based on politics. No, I, I really, I mean, if there's any sort of, I was inspired by Daniel Kish of World Access for the Blind and his No Limits philosophy, and he's not. You know, he's not on either side. He's on his own side. And that's kind of where I come from. It's mm -hmm. just, it's really about potential. And that's it. I don't really care about other things. <laughs> and I don't right. do a lot of advocacy in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and just stay out of the crossfires. <laughs> yeah. duck, duck and cover. Mm -hmm. you, would you ever go skydiving? No. No? <laughs> really? That is, they, the kids joke about that being a thing that they want to do. And I'm not going with them. <laughs> oh, really? No, yeah. no way. Uh. No, that I have a limit, and uh, I'm and not ashamed. Out of a plane is, yeah. is the limit. My, my, Literally, the sky's the limit. The at Camp Hornby, there's a leap of faith where you climb up on the top of this telephone pole and jump off. Yeah. What? And uh, yeah, not even you're you're harnessed. Oh. So, yeah. but and there's pegs to help you get to the top. So the first time I went, I oh yeah, I'm gonna do this, and I climbed up to the top of the pole. And I had one foot on the top. It's sort of the diameter. <laughs> it's like a dinner plate. Like that's the diameter of the mm. pole at the top. And it kind of sways back and forth a little bit too. <laughs> no thanks. So I had one foot on the top and both my hands. And I had to just take that final step of putting the second foot on the top and standing up. And I was stuck up there for like 10 minutes, I think. It felt like way longer. My palms are sweating just talking about it. I'm not even joking. And one of the kids, one of my teens down below says to me because I'm like I think I don't think I can do this I think I'm gonna have to come back down and he said Sean no limits and I'm like oh, damn it oh yeah I want to swear right there but. <laughs> so I did it I stood up and I jumped off and it was terrifying and I mean totally safe they're all there belaying you and ready to catch you when you jump but it was terrifying so that's that's my limit I did that <laughs> <laughs> definitely not jumping out of a plane or bungee jumping or anything like that no yeah I've jumped out of a plane but I, I think I'd be hard-pressed to bungee jump yeah I think really it, why, why well originally I went to jump out of the plane because I thought it would help me get over my fear of heights <laughs> well it turns out that you're so high that everything's out of perspective and they train you you know the, the there's different types of jumps you can do you can do tandem jumps where you you know you actually jump, jump. out strapped to, to somebody else and they'll take you up to 10,000 feet but what I did was the actual training course to learn how to parachute and uh, they, they, they do like a day course and at the end of the day you 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 get into this little tiny plane and you're sitting on your feet um, with all your gear on and you get up to about 3,000 feet, and you have to climb out of the plane, hang off of the wing strut, uh. make eye contact with your instructor. Cool. Your instructor's holding on to the pilot chute for your parachute, which is the small parachute that pulls your big parachute out. And when you let go of the plane, when he tells you to let go of the plane, you let go and he lets go of your pilot chute, which immediately grabs air. So you only fall for, you know, three, four seconds before your parachute deploys. Okay. But you're so focused on the process and you're so focused on you know doing everything in the correct order um 
and everything is so out of perspective, like everything's so tiny down there <laughs> that, that you don't have the same, I, I, like I didn't get the same feeling that I get climbing a ladder. Mm. Like mm-hmm. ladders scare the crap out of me but, but no i was i was good jumping out of a uh, jumping out of a perfectly good airplane wow mm. but um yeah bungee jumping mm, that's I, I can really see the ground there <laughs> yeah yeah planning is fun I'd like, yeah. yeah, I'd like to do that. I've only done, you know, in the playground at elementary mm. school kind of zip lining, but I, th- I also think parasailing would be cool to feel like you're flying. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah. That, that is fun. I've done that. Yeah. I yeah. think that, that, that would be cool. Hmm. All right. <laughs> uh, well, uh, <laughs> uh, so tell us about where can people find Blind Beginnings online? blindbeginnings.ca is our website you can also look for us on youtube we have a youtube page with some cool videos um but yeah blindbeginnings.ca now what's the best process if somebody is interested in in um you know signing their their child up with the program what's the what's generally the process that that they go through probably call me or email me so sean at blindbeginnings.ca um and just or or you can sign up as a member on on through the website. Uh, most people contact me because they hear about Blind Beginnings and then they want to know more what programs. And you know, if you email me and say how old your child is, I can tell you specifically what programs your family may be interested in as a starting point. Generally, um, people do need to become a member to participate, to be covered under our insurance, but you don't need to be a member to be on our mailing list and you can come out to a program and check us out before you make that kind of commitment. It's not that much of a commitment. It's $25 a year for a family and we can waive the fee if, if cost is an issue. So it's just, we need them to sign up just so they're covered. And do you have any events coming up? Uh, we're going snowshoeing on February 17th. That's a family outing for kids of any age. Um, at uh, Cyprus, I think, is where we're going. I should really know. Oh, Seymour. I think it's Seymour. Right. Yeah, um, Seymour. What else is happening? We have a trivia night fundraiser on March 3rd at Moose's Down Under in Vancouver. That should be a fun event. Um, and, and people can, how can people get tickets for that? On our website as well. Okay. And... Um, we're starting a youth support group for youth 13 to 19 at the end of February. So it's it runs for six months, once a month, um, Saturday afternoons at our office. Uh, and our youth leadership weekend is coming up in April, the end of April. And so we just sent out an email uh, looking for people to register for that. So that's youth all over BC who are 13 to 19. So lots of things. There's always lots of things going on. The best thing to do is check out the website. Great. And the gala, of course, is... April 7th. April 7th. And tickets on the website as well. Yes. Excellent. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us on the old intranet? On the intranet, they can find us at www.atbanter.com. They can also email us, if they so desire, atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. I'm really, really disappointed with you Rob you, why you've been getting that consistently right and we, I know yeah it's we've not took had our opportunity it took him a year and a half but <laughs> <laughs> a year it took me a year no limits Ryan <laughs> sorry <laughs> where else can people find us Steve well they can find us on Facebook they can find us on Twitter and they can find us on Instagram well <laughs> I took a video today. It's Did going you? on it's going on Instagram. Attaboy. Sweet. Our first Instagram post. Yeah, the only problem is it's I have no me. idea how to log into our Instagram. <laughs> I'll, I'll, give you, I'll, I'll email you the information if I can remember it. Uh, hey, Steve. Yeah. Where the heck can people find you on the internet? Well, they can find me at www.canastech.com. Uh, also, Steve at canastech.com. For all your assistive technology needs. Do you get razzed about that name, Can Ass? Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? I, it was self-inflicted, though. He right. wanted it. He I, I did. I looked at the. You wanted to domains. draw attention to your ass. I did. <laughs> yeah. He's it's, it's memorable. You know, as soon as, <laughs> your as ass soon is as, memorable. Yeah, as soon as people. <laughs> yeah, really? I, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, we're off the rails. <laughs> I beg to differ, but okay. <laughs> Different strokes for different folks. Uh-huh. Okay. 
Now he's blushing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, wait, where were we? While Steve was talking about memorable ass. We were talking about my ass, man. Okay, fine. I was trying to get us off that. (laughs) No, uh... I think we were wrapping up. Well, you were yeah, telling okay, us so a story about how you wanted to get Can Aztec. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I looked at the various domains and uh, that, that were available and different ways of abbreviating Canadian assistive technologies because I mm-hmm. obviously didn't want to spell the whole thing out at .com. That would cause people to <laughs> type all day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Make typos. And uh, when, when, I, uh, when I came up with Can Ass Tech, I thought, hey, there's ass in the middle of that. People are going to make fun of that. And it's like, perfect. That's advertising. <laughs> that's, that's, advertising. that's yeah. memorable. Yeah. Plus, it's getting my ass back into assistive technology. So there you go. Awesome. <laughs> uh, what about uh, Mr. Rick Chan? Where, th- where can people find him? Well, Rick and his marvelous assistive technology uh, repair uh, company, Chaos Technical Services, can be found, oddly enough, at www.chaostechnicalservices.com. He can also be emailed at chaostech at shaw.ca. That's S-H-A-W. Sean? Yes? Thanks so much for, for coming all the way into Coquitlam. I live in Coquitlam. To the dungeon. Wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> but okay. you're welcome. Okay, the wilds of Coquitlam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and climbing down into the dungeon That's to join right. us. Right. That was the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> Made the gross grind look fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me again. Excellent. All right. Uh, I guess that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, we will see everybody next week. Cowbell. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com.